Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. All right, let's get started. Father, we thank You for the Word this morning that is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and pierces even to the division of soul and spirit and bone and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I thank You, Holy Spirit. Go where the knife of man cannot go. And Lord, make every adjustment that You see fit. Thank You, Father, that not only can we pray this way and stand in agreement with what is being said, but let us also posture ourselves with the attitude of humility that says, Lord, as I hear Your Word this morning, I thank You, Father, that I will hear it like I've never heard it before. Let it come and work on me in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody that said, I love the Lord said, Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't it so true that, you know, so many times when we come, when it comes to the ministry time of the Word of God, as we begin to listen, we begin to listen. And you've heard me say this many times. You listen to the Word of God and you're going, oh my goodness, so-and-so is not here today. They could have really used the message. How many of you know that's true? Right? So, So in fact, so now we're listening through the filter of how everybody else needs it. Right, And so God hasn't called us to be listeners and have a a default setting of listening to the Word of God in light of who else needs it. So when we come in, we come and we place ourselves on the hot seat of of God's love, His mercy, His correction. How many of you know that God chastises those whom He loves? And this isn't a chastising message. I'm just saying, and by the way, when we think about the chastising of the Lord, uh, according to the book of Hebrews, the chastisement of the Lord is not God holding a big whip in His right hand and whipping His children. The, The word chastising there is actually the word to rear and train a child. It is the same uh, concept and principle of raising your child. How many of the Word of God says, train your child and raise your child in the way that he or she should go. And when they are older, they shall not depart from it. How many of you realise it? Well, the chastising of the Lord is in like manner in that He is raising us. And so it's not a, it's, it's a, how many of you realise that when you're going for a ditch somewhere and you're about to fall in, your ho- in a hole, that God comes and, and He rescues you from the pit? That's not a correction, that's a training. Don't go because you're, you're gonna get wounded and hurt on the other side, amen? So I usually like to say this, if we understand correction sometimes when God is speaking to us, we understand that correction is not for your rejection, correction is for your protection, Are you with me? And so there's a lot of things in the modern day church that we cannot talk about um, uh, at all because if we start to touch on certain subjects, somebody's gonna get offended and we've created, and it's not, it is a culture and a mindset that has crept into the church world from the secular world. Are you with me? We have a very, very temperamental, um, our ability to uh, receive any sort of direction, not even a correction, just some um, a remote direction sometimes. Uh, is, is, uh, we're so fragile and we begin to get offended so quickly. And that same offended culture has come right into the church to where we can't say anything before somebody gets offended. 
Well, that's why we probably don't have a hundred more people sitting in the room today is because we're not gonna back down from preaching the whole counsel of God. Amen. Amen? Amen. We have a filtering process here for those of you that are here for the first time. What you see is what you get. When you hear what you hear, that's what you're gonna, you, you know, you're not gonna suddenly shocked, be shocked after being here for three months that I'm behaving for the first three months. And then on the, on the very, as you're coming into that fourth month, all of a sudden the whole message and the whole heart of the house begins to shift and you go, oh my goodness, I didn't know this was here. It's not what you see is what you get. What you hear is what you hear. Are you with me? So on that note, I would like to say very unpolitically correct, a happy Father's Day to all of you non-toxic, very masculine men. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, you know, I'm, no, I'm serious about that because there is an assault on men. There is an assault of men of every creed, every race. There is an assault of men. The, uh, 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 the secular world is wanting to demasculate men and bring them down to, I mean, even from every level, from the education system, from Hollywood, um, they wanna dumb men down all the way. So I just wanna go ahead and say to you, happy Father's Day. God loves you. He created you to be a man. He created you to be masculine. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Anybody in the house? So we wanna say happy Father's Day to you. And uh, don't you dare give in to that culture out there that's trying to sway us back into a corner of uh, feeling insignificant, amen? We're in the mess that we are in today because of part of this reason, are you with me? And the, fa and, and the moral of the story behind just me making the statement is, is the devil's been after the family unit. All right, do you want me to just go down this road just for a couple seconds here? Let me just go ahead and talk about it. Let's go all the way to when, uh, when in America, let's use America as an example. I'm proud to be American. Uh, all the way, probably 20, 30, 40 years ago, I'd say even as far as 40 years ago, maybe a little bit longer, when men were able to go and work a job. Not Listen, please, I'm not undermining women to have careers. It's not even what I'm going with here. Just understand the agenda behind all of it. It's never been that women can't work or, or whatever. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to uh, uh, make sure I'm careful in how I, how, uh, how I use my words this morning. But all the way back, the husband was able to earn an income that would be good enough to cover uh, for, for the wife to be whatever she needed to be, to be able to be a mother, to, be, to look after her kids and whatever. That didn't reduce woman to being a housewife, barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. Are you with me? That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say is that God designed the family, the husband and the wife to be able to pour into the gifts that He's given to us. These gifts are the arrows in our quiver, the children that He has blessed us with, that we pour into them, that we are the ones who primarily pour the godly values into them. And there was a climate where that could happen. Are you with me? In the climate of today's world, both mom and dad are working, some possibly two jobs, kids that are at home or given over to the secular system where the secular system has more time with your kids than, 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 than you do. And they are installing the values into the children, not the mom and the dad. Why? Because 
A couple of generations back, come on, and I'm just gonna go ahead and say this, not negatively, because I am for men just like I am for women. Are you with me? What I am saying is the feminist movement was never ever begun with positive intentions. The root behind the feminist movement was actually behind the scenes, uh, behind the, uh, the, the scenes uh, planted to destroy the family. Woman's power was planted to destroy the fabric of family. Why do I say that? It wasn't that the woman couldn't have the right to do whatever the woman wanted. That's not what we're talking about. Look at the greater picture. The greater picture was, is that the woman power that brought with a secular mindset for those that bought into it now felt the need to become something greater. And then what happens is, guess what happens? Is now we've got now the, the man that was in the workforce, the woman now steps into the workforce more and more and more. And guess what? By design, men's income was even decreased so that when the woman worked, it could partially make up for the man. Are you with me? So that she would have to stay in the workforce so that guess what? Your children now have become the subjects of political persuasion. And all of that has been a trickling effect to the breakdown of society. Because if you break apart the family, you break everything apart. Somebody didn't come to church to hear this this morning. But it's true. So in no way, shape or form, is there anything that belittles men? And in any of my statements, is there anything that belittles women? We believe in the call of God on women, just like we believe the call of God upon men. There's none of that in the, any, anything needs to be misinterpreted. I'm trying to say and point out the bigger design behind all of it. Are you with me? Can we see how that works? Let me tell you right now, these plans are generational plans. These plans and strategies work down to the breakdown of society. It's a generational breakdown to accomplish its end goal. Amen? It's not my message this morning. How am I gonna get into my message this morning? But go with me if you can really quickly. Let's quickly shift gears here. We've, we've done ordinations and now we've learned about uh, the, the generational um, issues of society. And now this is message three. You've learned three things today. I mean, you're learning a lot in church today. Amen. All right. Uh, ministers of the new covenant, 2 Corinthians chapter three. I wanna read from verse one. We're gonna continue. Last week, we actually titled the message Grace supersedes the law. It wasn't, you know, that was the title that ended up coming out out of the overflow of what was being said. Somebody say this, grace, grace. Supersedes, supersedes the law. The now I want you, I'm gonna make this statement as I open up when I say grace supersedes the law, just to kind of help everybody bring their guards down. Because the moment you say the G word in the church, everybody freaks out. You can't say grace because when you say grace, you say license to sin. 
So now we've refrained from the ability to use grace because people, every time you word the, use the grace word, people think that you're gonna give people a license to sin. Well, guess what? They accused the Apostle Paul of that in Romans chapter six, verse one. They said to Paul, obviously he was saying some stuff that gave them some thought that maybe he was giving them license to sin because they said to him in Romans chapter six, verse one, what, shall we continue to sin now that we are under grace? And guess what Paul said? Certainly not. And I'm telling you, certainly not when we talk about grace, but we cannot not talk about grace because grace is the only, somebody say this, grace Grace. is the only thing that gives me the empowerment to live free. So instead of now we, we, we throw it into the trash can and when you throw it into the trash can, by default, your only ability to actually live an overcoming, empowering life according to the finished work of Calvary and what Jesus has done for you, the only thing that really gives you the power to be free, you're thrown into the, into the trash now because apparently using grace is gonna give you a license to sin, but now you'd begin to depend on your own ability to keep yourself in right standing with God. Let me ask you something. How much right standing did you have that brought you into the kingdom that earned you your salvation? So none of your right standing could produce salvation in you. Are you with me? It wasn't how evil you were. It wasn't how good you were. It was all upon His saving. We are saved by grace through faith uh, for it is the gift gift of God and not of ourselves. Amen? Amen. So grace is not your license to sin. And this is what I'm saying. Let the walls come down. Let the praises go up. (laughs) Let the walls come. Grace is not your license to sin any more than a duck is a Delta jet airline pilot. Are you with me? Grace is your divine empowerment to be free. Amen? Amen. And somehow we, we've, we've got to look here at, 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 at uh, uh, what, this, what this third book of Corinthians is saying. I'm just gonna quickly go here and I'm not gonna take much time other than just giving you some highlighted points uh, to which I'm really doing this a disservice, but hey, we'll go as far as we can go here because I don't wanna take too much time on your Father's Day this morning. I know you're thinking about your donuts, so please uh, get, your, get your head into the Bible and get your head out of the donut right now in Jesus' Name. Uh, are we beginning to commend ourselves again or do we need to assume uh, letters of commendation to you or from you? You are a letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men. In other words, you are the fruit of what God has had us impart to you, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. I want you to see here, uh, there is a covenantal language that is being spoken in right here. And if you begin to take the Scripture and begin to apply the way that you interpret Scripture into covenants, in other words, we have an old covenant and a new covenant. 
and I have to, uh, it's like a battering ram that I've got to keep on battering and battering and battering. How many of you realise, how many of you seen the picture of the guy with a hammer and a chisel um, at, the, at the dam wall? Not the cuss word, I'm talking about the dam with water on the other side. Uh, he's at the dam wall, he's got a chisel in his hand and he's hammering at, the, at that wall. How many of you, it's a cr- pretty crazy picture. How many of you also know, boy, if that thing cracks, I mean, the guy's pretty much got no hope and the only hope he's got is that he will be either in one of two places and hopefully it's to be with Jesus, his maker. Because when that wall cracks, he's not gonna be able to have time to get away from it. Are you with me? So with, by the same token, I'm trying to paint a picture of using the battering ram here or the, or, the, or the chisel, the hammer and the chisel to chisel away, to chisel away, to chisel away so that we can become more and more free into the understanding of the finished work of the cross of Calvary. That, that, and, and what are you saying? Well, I believe in the finished work of, of the cross of Calvary. Yes, I understand that we believe it, but the church has also got very... Uh, an, an enormous amount of people inside of believers, believers that love God that are actually saved, but they are exhausted. You don't have the joy of your salvation anymore. Instead, we've gone from having the joy of our salvation to meeting the deacon after the first six months of being so excited and serving God. And, and the first deacon you met, you know, he came, he, he looked at you and said, well, I used to be that excited before. And he says, oh, well, I've been in the way for 30 years. Amen. You'll see, you'll be just like me. That's the problem. A lot of the people have gotten in the way. Religion came in. In other words, you started out good, understanding how much was richly given to you in the seed of salvation through Jesus Christ. You started out good and somewhere along the line, a little leaven leavened the lump. In other words, religion started to come in and people are exhausted. They love God. They want nothing to do actually with the church, which is not my idea, not not any of our, church is the idea of the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, of which He is the head of the church. People have become exhausted with the institution of church and and some of them have lost the joy of their salvation. Now, instead of having the joy of the salvation, a lot of them look like they were baptised in lemon juice. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey now, somebody, I am glad that I'm saved. I am so happy for what Jesus did for me. My goodness me, there is nothing, there is nothing that I am, uh, that, 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 that I'm sad about. I mean, come on, let me be Lord Jesus. Help me to stay free because freedom is something you have to fight for. Because the enemy is always looking for room to bring you into bondage, to bring you into religious bondage, to bring you into all kinds of things to rob you of the joy of the one who fully paid the price for you. (laughs) Why is it that, you know, 
I heard a story about, and you've heard me say this maybe a long time ago, but there was a story of somebody who died in the church. So the pastor called the ambulance. When the ambulance came in with, uh, you know, their stretcher to carry out the dead, they didn't know where to start. They couldn't find the dead person. No, churches, you know, uh, 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 sorry, I know this is kind of like, I'm kind of, and really it's out of the overflow here of this covenantal language because once you understand what has been appropriated for you in the new covenant, I'm telling you right now, there is gonna be an overflow of the life of Jesus that is at work on the inside of you and you can't help yourself. You begin to bubble up with the joy of your salvation. Come on, it's been 25 years and I'm telling you right now, I'm more excited about serving Jesus as the day that I did get saved. And there was a time where religion did try to come and God encountered me in the late 2000s after preaching in platforms all around the world. God encountered me. Come on, it was almost like I was winded in a sense when I beheld how much I had let the leaven leaven me and caused me to become legalistic and caused me to become just, just the heart of love because you can have Jesus, but if you don't have love, you ain't got deadly squat. You can have gifts, you can be anointed, you can have all of those things. But if you have love, you have nothing. No love. If you have no love. I know that I'm, I'm a hopeless case this morning because of the. I, I, I'm not even going to be able to really get into what I want to get into. There's just no ways. So I'll just go with the overflow here. Is that okay? I'm not going to keep you for much more than one more hour. So, so while I have you here and I'm on this note here, uh, you know, I'm basically just elaborating, you know, I don't, I, I mean, yes, I, I've got to read the Word to you, but, but you know, uh, either which way, uh, there's going to be an uh, eruption of an overflow of what heaven has already imparted here. Are you with me? Just like the early apostles of the church, they didn't come up and they went to the church of Galatia and they said, greetings, I greet you Galatians, amen. And I'd like for you to open up to the book of Matthew chapter one today. I'll be reading from verse 20. They didn't do that, why? Because number one, they were still, they were still putting the, uh, to pen the written Word of God. It wasn't there. Uh, when, when we read all of the, uh, what we read in the New Covenant, those were letters carried by the life of the early apostles, which became epistles. The epistles were nothing more than what manifested from a revelation of what Jesus did for them. They, it didn't come out of, it came out of the overflow of the one that they encountered. That's 
That's why this Word isn't just, and you hear me say it time and time again, the Word of God is not just ink written on paper. It is the description of a person that, that is, that, that is uh, written on, on paper, yes, but so that you would grab a hold of the person that they are writing about, that that person so grabs a hold of you that everything around you begins to shift. Everything around you begins to change. This is not religion as usual. This is, this is us letting heaven flow. This is us allowing God's people to, to be, to, to the gift of God on the inside of them to be made manifest. Why? Because we understand what Jesus has put on the inside of us and we wanna make sure that that which He paid for is fully manifest. And the way to keeping you in the zone of fully manifesting the one that's on the inside of you is to begin to get you rooted in an understanding of what He's done for you. Guess what the Bible says, just so I can throw another grace thing inside you. It says, you have fallen from grace. You who seek to be what? Justified by the what? You, so how do you fall from grace? So how do you stop the flow of God's grace? Again, what is that grace? It's not, yes, it is also the unmerited favour of God, but more than just the unmerited favour of God, let me just go ahead and say it one more, one more time. The book of John says in chapter one and verse 17, that grace, the law was given to Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. One was given, the other one manifested in a person. Jesus, so grace is not just the unmerited favour of God. Grace is the person of Jesus Christ. So how do we get grace to stop working for us? You have fallen from grace, you who seek to be justified by the law. So when you slip over into a Christianity that begins to tell you, you are justified through your efforts, you immediately paralyze grace from working for you because you are doing in your own strength what grace was designed to work in you. And then you wonder why in your walk with the Lord that you are so exhausted. Why? Because you are trying to do what grace was designed to work in you. Somebody. Come on now. Hey, I'm a little bit excited. I'm from Africa. What can I tell you? Come on. 
You should not come out, you should not walk out of here going, man, I really feel like he really is religious and he's putting a bunch of shackles on me. I can't believe I went to that church. I mean, my goodness me. Instead, you should be feeling, how do you know that when you're hearing the gospel? The gospel, when you're hearing the gospel, there should be symptoms of, that feels so good. Yes, that's right. It makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. Because notice in the language, and this is what I always have to help people with when I'm talking along these lines, I always have to help people just to kind of help them get back on track because their mind is going, and, and I've got to like, let's, let's straighten back their mind. Let's bring your mind back to, to, to ground zero. Let's put this back into neutral. So how do I do that? Listen to what is being said. You are not hearing the efforts of man being exalted here. You are not hearing a message that is telling you it's all about what you do. You are in fact hearing a message that is saying it's all about Him and it's all about everything that He's done and everything that we have and will ever have is because of what He's done. So why don't you learn to depend on what He's done and stop making it about what you do and rest in the goodness of what He's done and just give up already on yourself trying to think that you can do it in your own strength. Give up, get off the treadmill of performance and allow the grace of God that is sufficient to begin to manifest and take its place in your life and bring you into a place of divine empowerment where there is no exhaustion in serving God, but there is a joy and a freedom. I'm not saying that we're not going to uh, get opposition and we're not gonna face any storms, but I'd rather be facing a storm in the liberty of God's grace functioning in me than face a storm in the middle of my own efforts because I know that I'm gonna come out second best on that one. But when His grace that is sufficient works in me and through me, I'm gonna come out a victor on the other side. Again, not because of what I am, but because of who He is. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful thing to be able to minister. I tell you what, y'all might look at me and think I'm crazy. That's fine. It's okay. I'll just tell you, it is and ama- I cannot, I wish, uh, help me Jesus. It is such a wonderful place to be. I tell you what, I can't even express it. So free in Jesus. I literally feel that way. It's It's not a work for me to come here on Sunday morning. It's an overflow and a privilege. I'm so blessed to be able to be here. I'm so blessed when I wake up to come. It's not like, oh God, what am I gonna talk about to your people today? Oh, let me go look up messagesermons.com and, and find go what something with the letter A. Let's find a message title with the letter A. Next week, month, we'll do the letter B and we'll go through, the, you know, that'll take me through the year. Why? Because we've, met, we've made this thing a career. We've made it an institution. We've made it a franchise. We've made it everything that it shouldn't be except for flowing and living in the one who has acquired and purchased and ransomed us. Amen. 
Amen? Amen. And as long as we keep on singing this song, Jesus is going to build His church. Jesus said He will build His church. Say that with me. Jesus said He will build His church. So who builds the church? All right, so what do we do? We allow Him to build His church through us. And in closing here, I promise this is the plane is landing. The plane is now landing. We're coming in. I've spoken to the report, the, the, the altitude, whatever, the towers, whoever, the, the what? The what now? The radio, the radio towers, and they said we could come in for a landing. So we're going to land this. Somebody say, the plan is landing. landing. And I'm just, just debating on whether I should go on the last point or not. <clears throat> All right, well, I'll, I'll just say the other thing. <laughs> Thank you, EC. <laughs> he builds this church. This is the last thing I'm going to tell you. And you've heard you, y'all here because it's, it's going to be out of the overflow, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, right? So, and and that, 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 that comes from the revelation of the Word of God. Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. I'll tell you it again in a hundred times. Uh, uh, Genesis 22, verse 1 and 2. God speaks to Abraham and He says, Take now your only son to the mountain of which I shall show you. And now God's speaking to Abraham to take his son Isaac to the mountain where we know the story where Abraham's going to uh, uh, kill Isaac, right? God tells him. And obviously we know the end of the story. God provides for him just as he's about to follow through with that. He's about to uh, 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 go ahead and plunge his dagger into Isaac on the altar. God provides a ram in the thicket. But look at the language God speaks and communicates to Abraham with in the first verse, two verses. He said, take now your only son. God doesn't lie. Well, that's an incorrect statement. He said, take now your only son. Ishmael came before Isaac. God never acknowledged Ishmael. Are you with me? I'll say that one more time. God never acknowledged Ishmael. He said, take now your only son, Isaac. He said, Isaac. Why? Because Isaac was the promise. See, God is not obliged to bless anything that didn't originate out of His leading in your life. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labour in vain that build it. So there are a lot of people building in vain, but God has spoken and He says, take now your only son Isaac, He didn't acknowledge Ishmael. So God does not acknowledge the work 
of the flesh and we can be doing so much doing in the kingdom and everything we're doing is by our own strength and by our own attempts and God doesn't acknowledge the works of the flesh. He only acknowledges the work, uh, uh, He only acknowledges the works of the promise that He originates. What am I trying to tell you here today? Just in concluding here, when I say Jesus builds His church, He is the one. You see, Ishmael was God's attempt to help Abraham, God, build. Are you with me? Or establish His covenant and establish that promise. Abraham, uh, Isaac was God doing through Abraham what Abraham could now, was impossible for him to do between him and his own wife. Are you with me? So there's two ways we can build the kingdom. We can build it from the flesh or we can build it from the initiating of the Spirit of God. So when we build by the Spirit, Jesus will build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Are you with me? It doesn't become this tiresome task. You guys are not a work program. We better do this, we better do that, we better all, we, we, don't, we don't engage in all of that. Either Jesus builds His church, of course we're relational and we love people and we connect people, but it's not because we, we have to, it's some rich, like some uh, job description. Ministry is not a career, it's not a job for us, it's an overflow of the life and ministry of Jesus. But the point is, is that either Jesus will build His church and we are confident not in the flesh, we are confident of the one who has apprehended us that if we will continue to preach the gospel, that if he be lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. If we will stay the course and if we will be humble and if we will get out of the way and let Jesus be the centre of the way, then Jesus will build His church and people are gonna come from the north, the east, the south and the west to come and sit under the anointing to bleed in the flow of a worship that in that just is elevating Him and to sit under a Word that is going to establish them, sit under a Word that is gonna heal them from years of religion that has been placed upon them back into the place of resting in God and coming back to their first love with Him. Amen. Hallelujah, amen. God bless you, everybody, in the name of Jesus. No, I'm just joking. Hallelujah. Father, I'm looking at those of you here, just, just kind of putting out my radar here to, to see what I need to do next as we cl- conclude. Just checking in on everybody. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Okay, we're good. Father, in Jesus' Name, I thank You, Lord, that we're celebrating dads today. Father, I thank You for the the wonderful men and all the challenges that these dads face, Father. Thank You for Your grace that is sufficient for them. Lord, I thank You, Father, that in this hour and the challenges that they face, Lord, I thank You that along with that, You never never put us into a, a position that we cannot overcome. And I thank You, Father, that there would be a dependency upon You, that we would lean our shoulders into You in, in a posture of trusting You, that Your grace is sufficient. Let that grace that is sufficient go to work for them, Father. Thank You that You are providing to each a way of escape, Lord, promotion, whatever is necessary. So Lord, we bless the men, we bless all of the women, the mothers, we bless the children, the girls and the boys, Father. Every 
person sitting in this place. Let them go out in your joy. Let them go out in your freedom. And I thank You that the Word that has been spoken here today, let it be planted on the inside. Lord, I thank You that You shake them from the inside out into a place of supernatural overflow, Father, that today is the beginning of a fresh season. I declare it, I prophesy, I decree it over every single person in this place today. In the Name of Jesus, I tell you by the authority of Jesus Christ today, it is a brand new day. The Lord says, if you will take this as a brand new season, I will bring you into it. Only hear and have faith and step into it, says the Spirit of the living God. It is a brand new season for each and every one of you here today. Hallelujah. The clarion call. There is a trumpet sounding here today, a trumpet of freedom that is resonating even into this region in the mighty Name of Jesus and all those that love the Lord shouted. Hallelujah. Be blessed in the joy of the Lord and go out in peace. Amen.